Hello and welcome to Simply Why. I'm your host, Connor Reed. Simply Why is a podcast brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University, where we do a deep dive into the stories behind our outcomes. Our guests share the choices that changed their lives, the paths that led them to where they are, and of course, the why at the heart of it all. Our guest today is Sarah E. Westfall. Sarah is a full-time writer, speaker, and host of the Not My Story podcast. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in English education and a master's in student development counseling. Her writing can be found in magazines such as Fathom Mag and Relevant, as well in Be Still, a collaborative devotional which was published in 2019. Sarah, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, Connor, it's so good to be here with you. All right, well, we're going to dive in with some pretty tricky questions. I'm here for it. All right. Question number one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Hmm. Number two, audiobooks or podcasts? Oh, audiobooks for fiction specifically. Yeah. All right. And number three, Jane Austen or Emily Bronte? Oh, Jane Austen all day. No Wuthering Heights? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get into the actual discussion. You're a writer. You're also a podcaster. You're all about kind of that artistic word mediums. What was the inspiration for you to really start off in either writing or when did you like fall in love with that sort of a world? I could answer it in one of two ways. Like if I looked at it from the career path lens, it's actually a very twisty, windy path. And we can get into that. But really what it comes down to is that since I was very little, I have just processed the world through words. Like that is how I... Um, not only reflected and kind of better understood myself and processed through my big emotions as a kid and as an adult, um, but it's been a way for me to also then have a creative outlet. It's also been my offering to the world in, in many different capacities. And so that's at the core of how all of this began for me. That's awesome. And you were the host of the Not My Story podcast, which is an excellent podcast, and I highly recommend all of our listeners to go and check it out. What was kind of the genesis of that for you, and what made you decide to jump into this new world that is very different from writing? Yeah, that's a great question. The podcast itself was about faith and the unexpected. So those situations in our lives, you know, what we would qualify maybe as good or hard, either one, just the unexpected things and how. We discovered God in the midst of them and what we discovered about ourselves. So it was a lot of stories kind of similar to what you do here. But the reason that I began that podcast is we, our own story has to do with um, our son who passed away about 11 years ago. And out of that, um, I did a lot of deep personal writing for many, many years, but about seven, eight years removed from that. I began to say, what would it look like to, to write this story down and to offer it to other people who have also experienced deep loss? In the world of writing, if you want to have a book traditionally published, you write essentially what is called a book proposal. It's kind of like a business plan for your book. <laughs> what are you going to write? Where is it headed? And how are you going to get it in the hands of readers? And so I wrote this book proposal and tried to connect with different agents and publishers, and it just wasn't going anywhere. And the more that I tried to kind of massage the book and to make it more, um, you know, a lot, a lot of what the, the industry was looking for at the time was a little bit more in the self-help range. And I just 
I felt like that wasn't what the book was. It was very story driven. And so I put it down for a season and was like, I think this wants to take a different form. I think that the story doesn't want to be a book. I think it it needs to be spoken and it needs to be not only my story, but the stories of other people who have had these unexpected things happen in their lives. And so that's kind of how it was formed and what was birthed out of that. And, and it became host to, to so many diverse stories of the unexpected, but it was really cool also to see the, the threads that ran through, through so many of those stories. Hmm. And one of our previous episodes, we had Shannon Anderson on, who is a children's book author, and she's saying that writing is so much about rejection and that there's you get pushback all the time and you can never let it stop you from writing. So I think that's so cool that you saw this hurdle of not going in the self-help route and you're like, I'm still going to do this anyway. And you found a different way to do that. And you're also a public speaker. So did that come before or after the podcast? A little bit of both, because some of my background is in education. You know, my I, I started off as a teacher and I've done a fair amount of work in the in the world of higher ed, um, specifically with student development and residence life. And so I've always had like speaking opportunities, but I didn't start speaking specific to our grief journey more until the po- about the same time as the podcast launched. And I began to to tell my story with what Emily P. Freeman would say, my out loud voice. That's awesome. So then how do you pick the topics that you speak on? I mean, it seems like a lot of them are kind of intertwined with a lot of the episodes of the Not My Story podcast and articles that you write for your blog. So why are those the things that stick out to you? And what do you find yourself rooted in in those topics? I think we speak on what we know. And so part of what I know, just from my own experience, is loss is a sense of trying to find myself in the world. I've always felt a little bit out of place. I think some of it's my personality and some of it has been wrapped up in trying to to achieve my way into fitting in rather than sinking into who I actually was. The topics, you know, grief, belonging, community connection, those just are the things that get me fired up. It's what I feel burning in my veins when we begin a conversation. And so those tend to be the directions that I go in and and are the things that I also have stories and experiences in as well. Mm -hmm. And being a writer, you write a blog, you are a public speaker, you podcast, all of these sorts of things. It's a lot of content. And so how do you find yourself coming up with the ideas for the content? And also, how did you get to a place where, like, what are the things that helps you get to this place where you feel like you could write freely on those topics? Yeah. Oh, goodness. There's a lot I could say. I used to get this flipped upside down. And I used to try to write in all the places and it all be original and I would almost prioritize like posting on social media or writing a blog and would end up then not having time or creative capacity for the deeper work that was like writing a book proposal or writing um, a talk that I might give for a conference. So what I ended, I've started doing just in terms of my writing process is flipping that on its head of making sure that every day I have room for deep work. 
That is how I begin my day. I, we have four boys. And so I have to get up before they are awake because once they are awake, it is off to the races every day. So right now in this season, and it's not always looked this way, but I get up at five and I try to write um, until about seven. And this is deep work writing. I'm Right now I'm working on another book concept. And so that is where I spend my the bulk of my writing time. And then what I find happens is that then other writing, like my newsletter, like blog posts, like articles or social media captions, those are the overflow then of the deep work that I do. And so I'm able to take snippets of those things and and then share them in other in other mediums. Because the deep work right now is very much unseen work. You know, I'm not publicizing it. It hasn't been picked up by a publisher. I'm not really talking about it in that capacity, but it's still showing up in other ways. The second part of your question, it has taken a long time for me to write publicly about, especially the things that are very, have been hard. Like I mentioned earlier, after our son passed away, I had a good five to seven years where I was writing to process, but it was not public. There was a lot of unseen, deep personal work that I I had to do. And then I just reached a point where it was like, I feel an inner freedom to begin then to say some of these things in a more public way. And I know everyone's process is different, especially if they have a hard story, but I just knew that the work wasn't done in me. And so I didn't want to say the words out loud until it had had its time. And it's still not fully done in me, but it's at least at a place where I feel far enough on the other side to feel like I have my feet under me, at least. Hmm. And then also you, you got your bachelor's degree and you pursued a master's degree. So what kind of inspired you to do that? And how did you feel like that, that fits into your career? And maybe if that helped you get to the place that you're at right now? Right. There have been a few things that have been very true of me from a young age. And, you know, one of those is writing. And the other one is my desire to have this place of belonging. And so the pursuit of my master's in student development came out of that pursuit of residence life in college for me was life altering. Like I so appreciated not only the impact my RA had on me, but also then I became an RA and just loved that like intentional way of living life alongside other people. And so the pursuit of uh, the student development degree was, was following that trail. And I found myself communicating and using words, but just in a different way. Um, in that season, I worked on a couple different college campuses as a resident director and later as an area coordinator at a state university and then went on to teach a little bit as well. It's just so interesting how I never would have seen those two worlds of writing and um, peopling, I guess, <laughs> collide. It was just really a matter of, of following those passions and paying attention to the season that I was in. And not all of it made sense, Connor. There were many times career choices did not make sense. <laughs> but a poet and literary agent, I had a com uh, John Blaze, I had a conversation with him once and he was talking about his own life. And he said, it's all essential. 
And that really stuck with me. And it's been so true of my own experience is that it all builds off of each other and will continue to build. I'm not saying I have arrived in any capacity. So you're in the literary author world right now. And that's such an interesting place to be in right now, because I feel like in a lot of ways it's flourishing, but in a lot of ways it's changing too, just as physical media is kind of disappearing more so, but then there's still a lot of people who are like, no, we want the physical books. We want, you know, to be published and that sort of thing. What has it been like for you being in that world and kind of having to stand up for your work and having to promote yourself a lot with getting published? Oh, Connor, it is twisty business sometimes, at least internally for me. The world has changed a lot, especially in the last two years in publishing, you know, whereas like when social media wasn't as big of a thing, the credentials and the quantitative numbers that publishers looked at in deciding whether or not to traditionally publish a book were very, very different. The metrics were very different. And I'm not saying necessarily it's good or bad, but it's changed the way that authors have to approach the work. And on one hand, like I said, it's very twisty because you have to find a way to do it that is authentic and you don't feel like you're selling yourself <laughs> in any degree. There's also a lot of opportunity and possibility that wasn't the case 10 years ago. And so it's trying to find that balance between using it as a tool, but not letting it completely control you or change you or let you think a little higher or lower of yourself than you do. Mm. In reading some of your blogs, the contemplative side of it is just so rich and wonderful. And whenever I saw that, you liked Henry now, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, that and seeing that much more so than you were saying earlier of like, oh, well, the publishers are wanting more of like a self-help sort of thing. So this is kind of like a double question. So how do you find yourself staying true to your own style of writing in this world that is so dominated by like what the big bosses want is like kind of what gets written. And then also along with that, what would you say to encourage people who are wanting to become writers? I don't know if you or any of your listeners are fans of the Enneagram and or speak the language of the Enneagram as a tool for understanding kind of who you are in the world. But I am an Enneagram four and fours have a high value on authenticity. And so just me as a human person, I struggle putting words into the world that feel disingenuous, that feel inauthentic. I will tell you that I have had moments where I'm like, I know that if I were to post this or say this, I could get the attention and perhaps get growth faster in terms of, you know, who is following me or who is subscribing to my newsletter. However, I'm also the one who has to then live with that in my gut, in my soul. And so I have just had to pay very close attention to my motivations and really continue developing my craft. And what I've found in that is that the right readers will find you. It's slower work. <laughs> it's sometimes harder work. But when you find the right readership, the right group of people, there's a lot of peace and freedom in that. And so I think there's a concept I've heard once of of just trying to find your like 1000 true fans. And even that 1000, like I, I picture 1000 people showing up at my house for a barbecue. That's a whole lot of people. Like <laughs> that is a lot of people. 
and maybe not in the the span of the globe or of all time, but it's still a lot of people. That's a lot of peopling and interaction as a younger writer. Like if I were talking to my younger self, I would just continue to encourage myself and other young writers to, and young in terms of like starting off, but wherever you are starting off of, of just learning to really cultivate and craft your voice. I think the last thing that I would just say is step back from the writing life and say, what do I want to be true 10, 20, 30 years from now? Do I still want to be doing this work? And if so, then setting a pace that is sustainable and allowing things to grow slow and to grow deep and not be so tied to numerical outcomes. I mean, we're going to get discouraged sometimes along the way. You know, you talk about rejection in your other conversation and that's going to happen, but there's also a lot of refining that comes through that. And so if you take a longer view of the writing life, then I think we find both the pace and the perspective that will make it happen, that will make it work. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up this episode. Sarah, thank you so much for appearing on the show. Where can people find some of your work and your podcast and anything else that you want to plug? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my website is probably the catch-all for all of those things. So Sarah with an H, eWestfall.com. That E is important. Um, There's a lot of Sarahs in the world who were born in the 80s. And so (laughs) I had to put that E in there as a differentiator. And then on Instagram, I hang out. That's probably my most common place to hang out on social media. And I'm just at Sarah underscore Westfall. Wonderful. Well, we'll make sure to put links to that in our show notes. Sarah, thanks again. Absolutely, Connor. It's been great. Simply Why is brought to you by Indiana Wesleyan University. IWU is a nationally renowned, Christ-centered academic community dedicated to providing leading, innovative education opportunities for students of all ages, backgrounds, and life stages. Learn more about IWU's online, on-site, and hybrid programs. Visit indwes.edu. And make sure to follow us on social media as well. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.